You know what's not smart? Job sites that overwhelm you with tons of the wrong resumes. But you know what is smart? ZipRecruiter.com slash style. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't wait for candidates to find you. ZipRecruiter finds them for you. Its powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and actively invites them to apply. So you get qualified candidates fast. No more sorting through the wrong resumes. No more waiting for the right candidates to apply. It's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. This rating comes from hiring sites on Trustplot with over 1,000 reviews. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash style. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash S-T-Y-L-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash style. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football, of course, with the coach, Harvey Hyde, follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. Lots to get to. USC is on a two-game losing streak. No more home winning streak for Clay Helton. Uh, the 19-0 record at home is no longer after USC falls to Arizona State and Herb Edwards. 38-35. Lot to unpack. Lots and lots and lots of your questions. So we're going to try to get to all those uh, podcast at uscfootball.com if you want to send us an email or if you'd like to text us or call us, 424-254-9141 is the number. We have a ton. We got a bunch of texts, but a lot of voicemails and a lot of them for Coach Hart, specifically asking for Coach Harvey Hyde. Sometimes people call in. They're just like general for the for the uh, show. Whoever wants to answer, no. Today, a lot of for the coach. That's you, Coach Coach Harvey Hyde. Welcome to the show. I hope you're ready for a lot of questions about this Trojan football team. Ryan, uh, Ryan let me tell you. First of all, I was born ready, okay? Okay. I mean, but what do I tell you? Game day is every day, right? <laughs> so the only way you get ready to play is you practice hard and you work every day hard so that you can get better, better, and better in every little way. And if you see progress and you're ready to go, then I feel better about my day. I look at the end of the day of my practice schedule and I say did we get better today did we accomplish what we wanted to accomplish and I think this is uh probably a lot of uh the questions we're going to have today they're not going to be easy questions but again we're going to try to answer these questions as we saw them and be honest with our uh, people who take the time to listen to the podcast and take the time to send in the questions so why don't we get going Let's get going. And before we do, I want to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. You can go to SoCalTix.com or call them at 1-800-888-7287. Give Curtis a call. Tell them the coach sent you. You got homecoming coming up a couple weeks against Cal, November 10th. And also the big clash with Notre Dame to end the season. So both those should be pretty well attended. You want to get tickets for those, you can go to Southern California tickets and they'll hook you up. Or if you want to get tickets for 
you know, a comedy show or a musical, any other sporting event. Today, actually, there's cr- it's craziness going on in Southern California. Uh, there is a Rams game. There is a Clippers game. There is the Dodgers game, the World Series, and a Kings game. Oh, and I think there's a, uh, a, a Galaxy game as well. So lots going on here in Southern California. Uh, so if you need tickets, you can go to Southern California Tickets, and they will take care of you. Okay, Coach. Uh, yeah, like this is a record number of voicemails just for you. And we got a lot of questions too. So I'm going to start off with this first voicemail. This one actually came, I think, around halftime or so. Let me play it for you. Well, the floodgates have opened. This is Marcus. I'm watching the game in the uh, D.C. area. And uh, we're, we're hopeless. I mean, it's it's not even the end of the uh, the second quarter, but... You can tell with the score twenty four to seven, it's it's over. These guys have given up. They don't have any offense, and the the defense is just barely holding on. Ryan, when are they going to get rid of this man? Can they build a tarmac outside of Heritage Hall and get rid of Helton, please? Can you go in there and fire him? I don't know. Somebody do something. I'm tired of this crap. I'm tired. Good night. Well, I'll tell you, you're an old school guy. Like me, uh, you remember the glory years at USC, and you want them back. And I think that's something that can happen. And uh, the train is really off the track as far as the people that are riding on the train. And I think that people, when they say they want to get things straightened away, I think that's something that's uh, uh, you should say that's okay to say, even if you are a a loyal Trojan. I really believe that. Uh, because if you watch the same games, uh, and we all do, or go to the same games, you see the same things, and you sometimes wonder if everybody else is seeing the same things. The people that make the decisions or put the program together and are responsible for the football program at the University of Southern California, a traditionally top football program in the country, but it seems as though they have become what you might call ordinary the Pac-12 wanted to make it uh, parody, and I think they've done that. They have the parody. I would say in any week, anybody can beat anybody. If you look at the scores this past weekend in the Pac-12, my gosh, I can't believe it. And I'm not going through all of that because we can do that on another question. But I think USC is now just a ordinary team. They don't intimidate anyone. Uh ASU outcoached them, outplayed them, and wanted the game more than they did. I believe that. Uh, I know the Arizona State coaches. I know how they felt about the game. They wanted to reestablish themselves in Southern California as a recruiting area. This was their bowl game. They had to do that. They had to win, and they felt they could if USC didn't straighten things up. Because they know the Trojans have better players. And let me say this now before we get started. I thought the players played hard. And there's no question in my mind they have players. So I'm not going to get on the players' case at all because they have to be put in a position to win. Jack Sears, I won't get into that because we'll have a question on that too. But as far as moving to football, establishing uh, an identity, that just hasn't happened. And I think it all started three years ago, and I, and I hate to say this, when they started to become softer. They were soft and getting soft during the Steve Sarkeesian era and Lane Kiffin is when Clay got the job at USC. And you can remember this too, Ryan, because we did a podcast and I really got on it hard. Is when they went to the Holiday Bowl 
and they practiced seven days. They didn't hit. He let all the full-time coaches go. He brought in a bunch of GAs and part-timers and volunteers to coach the team, and it lost its focus on how important it is to win at USC and what's necessary to continue to win at USC because everybody's after USC. It's the biggest game of the year on everybody's schedule. Just ask the people at Oregon State this weekend when the Trojans go to Corvallis. I think I just try to answer it shortly, but I think everyone's riding the same train you are. Yeah, you actually brought up some points that we have other questions for about Jack Sears. We'll get to those in a second. Um, Joan wrote in, though, we want to read this one. Uh, she's a very sad Trojan. She said, your job is getting tougher on this podcast. Nothing more to say. We can see the talent. We know that. But the program is truly in disarray. I'm particularly sorry for the players. They expect more. I'm sorry for the students. The tradition is etched in the culture of the university. I'm sorry for the boosters. We pay a lot of money to support the program. And I am sorry for the fans. When you aren't very good or you don't win, people don't come out. This is very sad and bad. A very sad Trojan, Joan. Well, Joan, I think you're right. It shows by the attendance yesterday. They announced 47,000. I don't know really how many that were there. But uh, and a group of people from Arizona State was included in that attendance number. I think that the players notice that, too, when they come on the field and they see the house half full before the game starts. They're, everybody's a late arrival. Uh, the same enthusiasm isn't in the crowd. Uh, it's not the same atmosphere, okay? The band is fired up, but, uh, you know, you really question what's going to happen. You never have the confidence of what to expect. And I understand exactly how you feel. As a coach, I used to have that feeling we'd be a 10-point favorite. I'd walk around and be so nervous, I think we're going to lose. I think we're going to lose. And you got to find a way to win, and you got to find a way to put your kids in a position to win. And what basically happened is a way... Uh, the Trojans did it again. They found found a way to lose. Not get beaten, but found a way to lose. No identity on offense, not really anything concrete. You run the football from one formation, then you jump to something else, you jump to something else, and, and you really don't know. You allow the crowd to decide whether you should go for fourth and one rather than do what a, a football coach would do, which was a 10-point turnaround right there alone because they went down and scored after they stopped the fourth down play. And, you know, tying to score 31-31 with 10 minutes to go of the game is something you've got to take advantage of. And I don't want to get into all the things that go around a football program and how you control your players and the belief in your players and how you control the sidelines and all the other things that go along with a football team. But, you know, when I observe Herb Edwards' team, they were picked for last in the Pac-12 South. They had six starters returning, three on offense and three on defense. How does that happen? Because he got rid of everybody that didn't want to play, play hard, play it his way, follow the rules and regulations, and ask for performance. And he gets that. Look at his quarterback, uh, how he played, and his running back, Benjamin, and how he played, and how Harry played. They don't have a whole lot of players, but they make plays. And I think this is what you have to do is take advantage of your talent, as they did. They put Harry in the slot. Marshall was doing a great job in covering him. He made one tremendous catch, unbelievable catch, which you can't hold that against Marshall. But they moved Harry around and took advantage of where they put him on the field so they could hit him. 
So they did a great job with that, and I think Manny Wilkins did a great job the way they kept the keep defensively. They've never had a way of stopping a, a quarterback, and, and again, they proved that in this game, an athletic quarterback. So, you know, you have to look at uh, and be honest uh, what's going on. And uh, right now, I really don't know what's going on. Uh, myself, uh, I don't know what to expect. And, Joan, I know how you feel. Yeah, Joan, uh, sorry, feel so sad. Um, and it's true, you're seeing the, the numbers, the attendance numbers are, are way down. Uh, this was the worst attended game since, I think, Oregon State of 2001. Uh, I think our buddy Joey Kaufman from the Orange County Register tweeted, like, average attendance, this is the worst since 87. So before I was even at SC, so that's even uh, before me. Um, but you, you mentioned Jack Sears, too. So we have a voicemail, and then we got some emails uh, about that, too. I'll play you the voicemail first to get your thoughts. Hi, this is Dan with The Real Voice, but <laughs> from West Covina. All right, Jack Sears is our boy. The reason why is the difference between a great practice quarterback and a great game quarterback. Sears is a great game quarterback. Let's move forward. Uh, moving on, coaches, we need to just go ahead and trade up. I'm tired of having to shop around at the dollar store. This is USC. You need to, you know, open up that, you know, wallet and let's get a coach that we actually know about, not someone's friend, not Pete Carroll's old buddy or former college roommate. Let's get somebody new. Let's, let's, let's go out there and find someone that's not attached to the program. And when's the last time people revered uh, USC's offensive or defensive line? Battles won and lost in the trenches, and I can say, when you think of the great Pac-12 offensive line, you think Stanford, you think of a great defensive line, you think nobody from the Pac-12, you think the SEC. There was a time where we were the, in charge of both, and until we do that, we're going to get exploited. We're going to lose the big-time games against big-time opponents like Notre Dame and Ohio State. We need to win the trenches once more. Uh, my question to Coach, uh, where do we go from here? It's pretty clear, like, what kind of coach should we get, someone from the NFL or someone from college? Um, and uh, we got to start paying for some assistance uh, with top dollar. we got you know, it's time to do it. Make it happen. All right, Coach, who do we get? I mean, got any names? Let me know. Bye. A lot there, Coach. <laughs> well, there, there's a lot there. I don't know whether to start uh, uh, regarding the line or Jack Sears. We'll do, uh, we'll do Jack Sears next. So if anyone else you want to – you can mention anything else. We'll do Jack Sears after this. All right. Well, let me just tell you, I had a chance to spend some time with uh, the Utah people because they were down here uh, playing UCLA on Friday night. And, you know, really Utah is USC. That's what they've established their program under. And right now they're so physical and so dominant, it's absolutely unbelievable the way they're beating people. They had to get themselves together earlier in the season. Unfortunately for them, they lost a couple of close games earlier. But I was told their philosophy, and I wanted to ask what their philosophy is, and their philosophy is what USC's philosophy has always been. Built from the inside out. Now the inside out means the inside is your offense and defensive lines. If you can't be dominant there, doesn't make any difference what you run. So as you can tell, they were very dominant. They are still dominant. They are destroying people right now. They play Arizona State this week in Tempe. We'll see how they do right now. They're the best team in the Pac-12. Uh, they beat you up as well as beat you on the scoreboard. So they have taken the philosophy of what USC is done, and they have a coach that can back up his toughness. You heard me say this last week. And their players are tough. 
I mean, uh, their running back, Goss, he can carry the ball 30, 35 times a game, and he wants it more. Huntley, their quarterback, loves to run the football and and uh, throw the football, and he's getting better at throwing the football, which makes them more. Their defensive line can beat you up and play on your side. That's why they're one of the top defenses in the country. Why? Because of their fronts. I think USC has got away from that. USC, when's the last time, really, they've had a great first or second round draft choice in the NFL? I think that demonstrates uh, where they're going. They basically now, and Ryan, you're involved in recruiting. You follow it all the time. They get excited when they get another great receiver or something like that instead of getting someone who can really make a difference as far as in the offensive line, whether running the football or pass blocking. So I think they've got to go back, whoever the coach is, and I'm not going to get involved in that, but whoever the coach is, you better go back to the way you win football games. And that's up front, where you dominate up front, you play on their side of the line of scrimmage, and people don't want to play you, but not only do they beat you, they hurt you. And you want to sort of surrender and let it happen early. So that's my answer there as far as the way I look at USC as far as right now. I think they're soft on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I mean, Arizona State, hey, their offensive line is thin. And they ran the ball. Benjamin ran for 185 yards, one of the top rushers, I think the second highest rushing yardage in the country this past weekend. How does that happen? Poor tackling on the defensive line, uh, by the defensive line and the secondary and linebacks. Why? Because you don't have enough live contact and you're not playing the game at the speed of the game during the week. When Georgia got beat two weeks ago, when they got beat two weeks ago, this past week, you know what Kirby Smart did? Scrimmaged every day. He had a hell week. Scrimmaged every single day. And what they do yesterday against Florida? Dominated. Because the kids knew what it was. And did you see how happy they were? They were dancing in the locker room and doing all those things. They're not afraid to work hard or hit people. So, you know, I just think you got to play football to get better. And I'll answer that question that way. Then the uh, the Jack, good stuff there, Coach. Uh, the Jack Sears uh, part. So I'll read you. There's a couple texts and a voice and an email. And we'll just kind of get your thoughts on Jack Sears. They're all kind of about the same thing. Crystal from Rita Del Rey said, just finished watching the heartbreaking ASU game. Jack Sears seemed to have a much better production, uh, had much better production on offense than JT Daniels. Fire Helton, but keep Sears as the starter. Thanks and fight on. Then we got a text. Uh, if Jack and JT are both good to go next game, who do you start? I love JT, but Jack did some real good things out there. It'd be great to see him have a shot at uh, at the second start being, quote, the guy. Thanks, Coach and Fight on George and Oxenard. And then we had Jason and Long, Longhorn Country write in. Do you think that Jack made a case to replace JT Daniels as QB1? Fight on from Jason. So what are, you, what are your thoughts about that? I don't know, but I'm, I'll tell you that in a minute. But let me tell you, how many times have I told you guys as a football player, you're one play away from playing. Jack Sears was third team a week ago. All of a sudden, he's starting. So a lot of these guys have got to have a good attitude. I think the quarterbacks have had a great attitude. Because I don't know if they've really been treated right. I mean, this is my opinion. I think USC would be a better football team if they have decided who was going to be the starting quarterback in the spring and not allow the press and the publications of a Gatorade Player of the Year make them wait until a week before their opening game to decide who their starting quarterback is. 
hey, Sears, they won the state championship. He's not a, a kid that hadn't played before. Matt Fink fits the offense better than what JT does. And JT's a great player, a young kid. But why throw him to the wolves? Just because he's all this and all that and came out early, he should have really stayed there. They had good quarterbacks. They recruited, recruited, uh, recruited these guys. But he decided not to, and he came. Well, let him be one play away. Let him learn for guys that have been there, redshirt guys, and guys that are, are more mature that the players know and have leadership. And you could see the different leadership. Right at, the, right at the beginning when Jack was in there, the players had confidence in him. Yeah, he was rusty at the first part of the game. He was rusty. Everybody's rust, rusty when you don't play, and all of a sudden he's in there and playing the speed of the game. But he fit the offense better. He moved around. He has agility. He wasn't in one spot. And he played hard. And I think he really played great. When you think he was 20 for 28 with 235 yards and two touchdowns with no interceptions, Hey, that's not a bad afternoon for your first start. As far as who starts against Oregon State, that's not my problem. That's the coaches at USC's uh, thing to do. But I tell you, I don't think, uh, I mean, I thought he did a great job, and I think that he would be a great quarterback. But what really bothered me, and I'll just throw this in, and this wasn't part of the question, is how out of the game the quarterbacks are that aren't playing. I mean, JT's a great kid. Why didn't he have a headset on? Why isn't he in the game listening to the plays that are being called? Why isn't he right up next to Coach Helton? I mean, here's your starter. Here's your starter. Or encouraging the quarterbacks when they come off the field. Where was Matt Fink? Why didn't he have a headset on and know what every play is being called? These are the little things I look as a past coach and say, I want everybody's head in the game. Because you learn everything that happens on what you would have done and what you should have done. And I'll stop at that. All right. We got uh, another. Thanks for all the Jack Sears stuff there. We got another voicemail. We got a lot of voicemails, but here's the next one. Yeah. Hi. My name is Stanley Fadala. Um, I'm a huge USC fan. Um, been a fan of USC since probably the late 60s. I remember uh, Jimmy uh, Jones actually quarterbacking the team at that time. Uh, anyway, uh, just uh, saw the end of the uh, USC-Arizona um, State game. Actually, I watched the entire game, and I just want to make a comment that, again, it's another huge disappointment, real embarrassment for uh, Clay Helton and his staff. And I really feel that they need to be fired, um, definitely by the, by the end of the season, um, just like UCLA did with, uh, with Jim Mora last season. Uh, it's ridiculous. It's a shame. Um, again, and and the team isn't getting better. They're underachieving. They're not being coached well, and that's the issue. I mean, we have five stars. We have four stars, and that's just unacceptable football. It's embarrassing, and it should be embarrassing for the entire administration. Um, and I had, to, I had to cut it off. He actually left. Stanley left a three-minute voicemail. Stanley, thanks. We wanted to play it, but uh, it was three minutes long. He did end it, though, by saying, if this goes on next year, I will not watch more USC football, and I will move on to another team. So he's a USC fan out in Wisconsin. What do you think about what Stanley said, Coach? Well, I don't think he's too far off. Uh, I mean, he, he said his true feelings, and I think everybody deserves to do that on what they think should be done. I think that's why you pay for your ticket, and that's why you watch the game. And 
you expect to do well. And uh, they're not achieving at the level of what everyone anticipates them to achieve uh, at. And I think a lot of people see that. I mean, here you are, and I'll just give you an example. And, and don't get me wrong, but it's crazy. I mean, they run an option with Jack Sears to the left. And, of course, uh, you know, they had no idea what they're doing. The execution of the play was, I mean, the back was too close. He should be a yard back, two yards in front. I mean, all of the things that you talk about, you should attack the defensive end to make him come to you so he can't make the tackle. I mean, I mean, you, there's so many different techniques you do. And, that, and here's a guy that's one of those that plays, you, coaches, you just don't run unless you run it all the time. That's, you know, like, oh, why would yeah. you? Yeah, that's not a throw in, throw in play. That's, a, that's, yeah, that's something uh, you run out every day. Yeah, that's a wasted – I mean, what are you doing? And then, of course, they fumble the ball. They look worse. And then she goes in and scores. Where where'd that come from? I mean, what are you reaching into a 31-flavor thing and saying, oh, let's try this play? There's got to be a reason you do things. If you got to – you always hear me talk about the perimeter where, well, you got to be able to establish the run, and then, again, you got to run the bootleg and keep the ball, and you can't be afraid of a quarterback to get hurt. I don't care. you got to win the game. I do care if you get hurt, but you got to find a way to win the game. And if you're going to run this offense, it's a high-risk offense for your quarterback. I mean, you saw Wilkins get knocked out uh, during the game, the quarterback from ASU, but he came back, fortunately, for them. And uh, you've got to be able to do that. And you see what the offense does when you're able to run a quarterback and take that chance because Benjamin went crazy. And between the two of them, it opened up the passing game, the play-action pass and everything, which made it very difficult for the Trojans. So, you know, and again, the Trojans don't practice against that defensively. They don't do that. So how do you get better in doing that as far as defensively? And they've never been able to stop it. So, you know, that's the way I look at that. And uh, it's just a shame that the state of the football program is one that you get a caller that's been a booster since 1966 of USC Trojan football, and the guy says he's thinking about giving it up. Now, you know, I'm not saying that they should replace anybody, okay, but you got to look at, too, who makes the decision on who comes in if they were ever to do that. I don't know if there's anybody on campus that can do that. I really don't, and that might be a question from somebody, and we'll save it. Uh, okay, let's move on. We had Bill in Las Vegas write in. He said, is it possible that the numerous injuries are the result of an ill-conceived off-field training program? I'm talking about weight training, nutrition, rehabilitation, all of the aspects of the training program. These last few years seem to be littered with multiple and sometimes curious injuries. Thanks, fight on. Um, so as you know, uh, you know, uh, JT Daniels was under con- con- concussion protocol. Uh, Matt Fink had broken ribs, so he was out. Uh, also, but the big one from this one coach was Talanoa Hufunga, uh, who broke his collarbone and, you know, he'll be out. Usually that's a six to eight week type of injury, but he was leading the team in tackles. Um, absolute stud, true freshman and USC is really, really thin now. Uh, Marvell Tell was out with some stingers. So they were really had two scholarship safeties for this game. Then you lose Hufunga. Um, right now it's just CJ Pollard who's healthy and they moved uh, Jenny Harris from nickel over to safety. So it's a pretty dire straits, I guess you would say at the safety position for USC. But what do you think about bill and talk about the training program? Well, first of all, they have all the facilities and they have all the nutritionists and they have all the strength coaches and everything to make it happen. 
Okay? So if they're doing their job, which I assume they are, and I hope they are, in the weight room, I don't go to their work workout, so I don't know what they're doing. Or, And I know they have a great trainer, and I know they have a great nutritionist and all the things that are necessary. They spend $2 million a year on their athletic feeding of their student athletes. So, you know, they're eating pretty good. Uh, then you got to look at and say, well, what could contribute to this? So I know that a lot of it is in what you do in the weight room, and I think a lot of it also is is how you prepare your body to get hit. And if your body's only getting hit once a week, it's not prepared to be hit, and I don't think it becomes accustomed to it. And unless you wear the football equipment that you're going to wear in the game, sometimes it's different as far as fitting and hitting and wrapping up and doing all the things that are necessary at the speed of the game. And you don't go at the speed of the game when you're not in pads. You just don't do it. So I think that, you know, trying to not practice hard or hit people, you really are doing a disadvantage to your football team because your football team continuously loses that extra step or that physical ability that you have as far as uh, injuries are concerned. Now, I'm not saying that's what it is, but I'm saying I see guys get hurt at USC like those two brothers. I don't even know what's wrong with them. And they, they're on a full scholarship that I could be on because I'm never going to play, and I guess they're never going to play. I don't know. And I feel unfortunate, I'm very unfortunate for them, but I don't know what's wrong with them. It's just a hip or an ankle or something. And these injuries continue to go on and on and on. So, yeah, it is a very difficult thing to figure out, but I would spend some time. You think I'm kidding you. I'd spend some time just like you heard me preaching and preaching and preaching about don't have early morning practices. Don't have early morning practices. Why? It's your body becomes accustomed to when they need their when it needs to exert itself. It becomes a habit. And when you play late games or uh, games when your body is starting to go to sleep on game day, you're in a different routine. Well, that's the same thing when you don't do anything on the football field. It's physical, and what you consider physical, and what I could you know, consider physical or what Nick Saban considers physical or Kirby Smart or Urban Meyer or whatever it is, uh, USC coaches might think they're physical. We're practicing physical. So it's just an interpretation of what physical means to you, okay? And to me, physical means full speed, gain conditions where we get better every day during the week because we only play once a week. So how do we get better if we're not practicing at that level of speed and physicalness? So that's how I feel on the injuries. I have no answers whatsoever on it, but I would certainly find out what's going on. Uh, I know the equipment fits. You got one of the best equipment guys around. So uh, what is it? I don't know. I certainly hated the Black Sox too. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, the, <laughs> Dan Weber. I just thought I'd, no, I want to just throw that in when I can. You know, a lot of people are more concerned about all the other things, which I am. But I think every little thing makes a difference. Every little thing on how you wear your equipment. Every little thing out there, everybody's trying to be a little different. And when you wear them, there's different heights and this and that. And there's some red on some socks and, and this. And, you know, it's got to be, you know, not me. It's got to be team. It's got to be team, me, and we. And I think this is the way you win. And if you don't have that feeling, then it's very difficult to be successful. All right. Well, we have a voicemail. You talked about the hitting and practice. This one addresses that. Uh, so we'll get to talk about that next. Here you go. 
This one's for Coach Harvey Hyde. Um, I'm starting to believe, man, what you're saying about this whole hitting and practicing and developing like callus or something like on your balls or something like uh it, we lost another safety yesterday. Uh Funga. He was a pretty like a beefy guy. He was pretty, you know, size, you know, stack guy or whatever. But I just think like these uh no pads November and, and these one uh practices and pads a week is not uh allowing their body and bones to get hard enough to to go through these wars. Like they they going out here and, and we're hearing practice reports of the scout team barely giving them, giving them a run for they might not really not playing hard. So it's trying to basically allow them the offense or whatever to get some type of success or whatever. But like you need to, it needs to really be the iron shop and iron type thing to where these guys are used to hitting and used to contact so we can see something. Like in these games, these guys are not brittle and broken up. Like this is getting ridiculous. You know, I, what, what's a, I, I missed his name. What's his name? He didn't leave a name. Oh, okay. Then that's why I missed it. But I, I want you to know this guy's played football, okay? And he knows exactly what I've been talking about. I just answered his question. I apologize. I should have waited for it. But you're exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, you've got to be able to condition your body and, and go through the things. You can't rest your body. You've got to be able to prepare your body for, for really uh, combat. That's basically what it is on Saturday is combat. You've got to be mentally ready. You can't be out there before the game spinning the ball and running around without your shirt on or some beauty contest. Hey, you're going to get yourself into a, a war here. And, uh, you know, all you do is get the other team fired up. That's that's all you do. I would point that out in the locker room if I, before I talked or gave my speech to the team. I mean, there are too much Hollywood at USC. And don't get me wrong, I know we're in Hollywood. And I know they have... Uh, you know, they admire their Hollywood friends that do it in the NFL or do it in the NBA or do it at Dodger Stadium. But I want you to know, hey, in college, guys guys are a different temper, a different thing, and especially when they haven't been recruited by a team and they're coming in to play that team. You know, there's a little different attitude that team has. And uh, you got to be prepared for that when you're at USC. You got to understand that you're the target. They got a target. You got a target on your best. So don't do anything stupid to get them more fired up. And I, those are the little things that bug me. Okay, you people say, oh, that doesn't make a difference. And if you're a parent out there, say that doesn't make a difference. It does. I mean, why are you out there doing those type of things with headsets on and dancing? I mean, to me, that just turns me on. I can't watch warmups. All right, Coach, next up we have Trojan the Barber. He said, well, this dumpster fire just got worse. I am too sick to watch USC the rest of the season. I've been a fan since 1997. I've seen some bad seasons, but this season is the biggest head scratcher. To me, I see us going 6-6 six and six, six and six and not winning the South. I say we detox the whole coaching staff and start new. I wonder what Les Miles is up to these days. Sergeant Rodney Strong, Fort Lewis, Washington. He's Trojan the barber. What do you think, Coach? Well, I know how you feel, and I think it would be really important if they did make a change. And I talked about that earlier. Is there someone that who could really make the decision on who would be the proper type of philosophy coach that would fit the USC's uh, tradition? And uh, you mentioned Les Miles. Yeah, I know Les. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. They'd be physical. But I don't know if he would fit USC or if USC, if that fits him, because it's all football. I'm not quite sure 
just how dedicated, as you say, you're not going to get him for nothing or anybody. You don't even pay the coaches at USC much, and they live in one of the most expensive areas in the United States. And and uh, not that you couldn't get them, uh, but your your staff has been uh, selected by the head football coach, which it should be, and approved by the athletic director, which it should be. Yeah, but this is what they they got. So how can you expect more? I mean, you have an athletic director. I love Lynn Swan, but what background does he have in, in college athletics? I mean, as far as making these type of decisions. None. Is he going to go hire one of his buddies? I don't know. You've got an inter- interim uh, president. I don't know wh- who and what she knows about college football. And uh, Steve Lopes, one gentleman that I respect an awful lot, should have some say in anything that happens in the athletic department because he's certainly qualified to be an athletic director anywhere in the country. He's a hardworking, knows it all, and has all the experience. But is that going to happen? I don't know. And I'm not saying it's going to happen or should happen. But that's what everything happens. I mentioned last night in my show that I did the media and everybody's going to be riled up. And they certainly are. And uh, USC has got a rally and the players and everybody. And tell me, you think it feels good? I mean, when the players go to class and they have to sit in class and everybody on campus says, what happened? And every teacher says, oh, don't worry about it. What happened? Or whatever they eat or walk around. It's, it's, it's tough, man. It's tough as a coach. It's tough for your family. It's tough for everybody. But I go back to that same thing that I tell you all the time. Uh, you've got to have somebody who's done it before. I've gone through the whole thing, the heart transplant, flying Air Force One, doing anything, okay? You've got to have somebody that you can say, I liked what he's done. And uh, they have a lot of those people on the staff that hasn't done it. Yeah. So you really don't know what you to expect, and you don't know if they can change, because I don't know if they know anything different. Yeah. I, I don't and know. I, I don't see what's so hard about hiring people that have done the job before, but USC just seems to shy away from that for whatever reason. Um, I think it's sometimes egos. I don't know if Pat Hayden wanted somebody around it that, that uh, challenged him. Sure. Or his ego. Like you bring uh, Peterson down here which they had a shot at. And, you know, Peterson's going to do it his way. You're not going to tell him. Now, Peterson's got his problems, too. Don't get me wrong. After getting beat. But, you know, uh, you, at least you knew what he had, what he represents as far as a coach and what he's done as a coach. Yeah. And you can justify his hiring, okay? And Clay Helton's a, a player's guy, okay? They love him. I like him as an individual. I've said it a hundred times. But he needs support in certain areas, and I'm not sure they're willing to do that. And for all of you that go to the football game, I don't know if I'm going to a concert or whatever. But, man, when I go to a football game, I don't want to hear that music, okay? I mean, who are they trying to do that music for? Most of the donors and people that go in there and say, turn that off. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's hip-hop stuff. If I wanted to go to a concert, I'd go to a concert. And most of these people are there for a football game and want to be there for a football experience. And, you know, I think some of the people, I mean, I'm just going to talk about the football program, but in the promotion area, broadcast area, 
and all those other areas, they need to check to be checked out too. As far as what type of experience are they trying to do? Are they making it what? I mean, uh, the marketing that's going on at the end of the game, rather than showing the highlights when the team's still in the game, with an onside kick coming. I mean, the different things that happen, I just can't figure out. In a football program, it's all football during that three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour event. And people have got to buy into that. And it didn't put you in the mood to go to a football game with hip-hop stuff going on or whatever you call that music. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if you like it, Ryan. You probably do. You're a young kid. But your donors don't like it. And I think that that's something you have to think about. Those are the people that pay the bills. Yeah. And uh, I get there early. It's hard. It's it's kind of hard to work. Get there early, and they just blare the music. So it's like I'm trying to work. I try to do some stuff before. So it's definitely. I I I wouldn't mind a little less of that. Uh, Okay. And it's loud. Loud. It is loud. It's it's way too loud. Um, We have uh, about 15 minutes left. We got a bunch of questions. Let's try to go through some of these quickly. Here's the uh, next voicemail about injuries. Hi, Ryan. This is Al from Central Valley. Um, you know, listening to Clay Helton in the presser uh, talk about the injuries, uh, I noticed when Ed Orderon played with only 12 players and they were hurt, he never mentioned hurt players. He said, we're Trojans. We expect to win. Uh, uh, all the excuses people are coming up with as far as injuries, this player isn't here. USC is a premier uh, team. And we have players from all over four and five stars. If you don't have the next man up, coached up, to come into the game, that's the coaching. I think there's a time need uh, for a coaching change. I'm not sure how many, if it's all of them, but there needs to be a coaching change. I'd like to see what um, the coach uh, thinks about that. Thank you. Bye. Bye, on. Well, you know, we, we've somewhat touched on the injury situation, but I agree with you. I mean, uh, I don't think you should have excuses. I mean, you've got to be ready to play. You shouldn't have to justify, but you can answer why you do certain things. And the injury portion, I think you should tell people who's hurt, but don't dwell on it. Don't say, oh, man, things are bad. But, you know, your kids hear about that. Your kids read that stuff. You know, we got, oh, man, I don't know. Then they do they have the confidence in the person that's replacing that person and so on? Man, I'll tell you what, Jack Sears impressed me and, some of the backup people impressed me too. But I did think on defense, this game, I think they missed Cameron Smith and Port Augustine. I really do. I think they needed that extra punch and leadership out there with these kids to to hold the ground because this was a winnable football game. Really, they didn't get beat. They beat themselves. I can tell you how many turnovers they did. If they played the way they played, the end of the first half in that drive, in the third quarter when they drove down and had those two drives and a touchdown. I mean, the 21-7 was uh, the turnaround at that point. They should win that football game. They had the momentum. They came back, but they find a way to screw it up. And it's not necessarily the player's fault. It's what you do sometimes. So, you know, you got to be able to remember everybody's trying to win. So uh, you just got to be ahead of everybody else. And if you have better players, and uh, you do, you have more depth than anybody else in the Pac-12. You've heard me talk about that. I wouldn't change the roster with anybody. You just got to make sure they're in the right position. You got to recognize what the other team's trying to do to your 
defense or offense and make the necessary adjustments. When you don't make adjustments, I just sit there and say, what are you doing? I mean, what are you thinking about? I mean, uh, on that fourth down play, if they'd have ran a bootleg back the other way, he'd still be running. He'd probably be in San Pedro now. Uh, I mean, you got to be creative and think about it because you set the formation. Everybody knew where you were running. So it gave him sort of an edge uh, on stopping that play. We had uh, Keith in New Jersey right in. Uh, he said, hi, Ryan and Coach Hyde. Uh, he said, I'll, I'll save this for save this for Sunday with Coach Hyde. I assume you'll be doing an emergency podcast. We did not do an emergency co- podcast, Keith, because it's it stops being an emergency if you're going to do the same thing week in and week out. That's that's not the definition of emergency. Um, for a variety of reasons, including passing on the field goal attempt in the fourth quarter and then failing to convert, it's a time we accept what is clearly inevitable. I'm a Clay Helton fan. He's a kind man, and I'd want my own sons around him, no doubt. But let's face it, he is done along with the others on the staff. You also have to acknowledge that it's now open season on other programs actively recruiting oral commitments. He's talking about verbal commitments, as well as current Trojans for that matter. So Ryan and Coach Hyde, I'm not asking for your opinion. Breaks my heart to talk about taking a job away from a quality human being like Helton, but let's be real. It's over. What's your prediction? Is Helton even employed by next Saturday, or does USC wait until the abuse coming from Notre Dame, or is a loss to UCLA what does it? Hoping this email gets to you before possibly post-game firing. Uh, thanks, guys. Fight on, Keith in New Jersey. I'll just say real quick, Keith, um, I don't think anything's happening till the end of the season, and even then, I'm not sure if that's happening. But that's uh, it's there's a lack of, a, of of leadership right now. There's no president, like Coach said. There's an interim president. Um, you have Lin Swan, first-time guy, so don't expect anything during the season. And then it really is going to depend on how the season ends, in my opinion, if something happens. Well, Ryan, I go I go along with you because I, I look at the staff and not saying uh, any of them are capable, but someone's got to coach the team. Uh, I don't see a head football coach, uh, potential head football coach on the staff that you'd want to turn it over to except for Clay Helton. Pentagrass wants to coach in the NFL and doesn't like recruiting. Uh, defensive line coach, uh, first year. Uh, Nason, good recruiter. Uh, defensive backfield coach isn't ready to be a head football coach. Uh, offensive line coach uh, not has been one, but he's ready to retire. Uh, you want, if you have the right staff members, if your head coach got sick, let's say, unfortunately, you were in a program where you had this type of staff. And let's say, like Urban Meyer got sick, they had somebody immediately right there who was capable of taking that team, and they didn't miss a beat. Well, what's the purpose of making a change? Well, are you going to get any better? Or what would be the reason for it? Uh, if you're going to make a change, you you think about who you might want to approach during this period of time who can make a difference in the program. Otherwise, why make a difference? Why make a change? Because I don't have the confidence right now that they can make the change with the right person. And, you know, I hear all these rumors about possibly Pete Carroll coming back and being consultant of the football program and all that. Hey, man, please, okay? Uh, Pete's done his job. He's done what he needs to do. He'd be a distraction to USC. And under the problems with the sanctions and everything, that isn't going to happen. I mean, I can't believe it. Anything can happen. 
But, but uh, you know, uh, you've got to be able to have somebody who makes a difference. Otherwise, why make a, di- why make a change? And that's what I say about that. We got a uh, voicemail, another one. Here you go. Hi, Ryan. It's Daniel out of Los Angeles. A uh, quick question for Coach Hyde. Uh, you know, at this point, I'm not even mad anymore. I expect the outcomes that, that happen each and every weekend. There's no point of uh, getting down to the press of, you know, what is suspected. But my coach, my, my quick question to Coach is, uh, just from your experience, um, if, if uh, you know, uh, assistant coaches and things like that, they kind of see the writing on the walls, do they usually uh, reach out to other programs quietly on their own or start looking out, start looking for you know, other positions once they see or kind of feel they know which way the program is going. Um, I know you guys don't like to talk about coaches, uh, you know, being let go, things like that, but just speaking on the terms of assistant coaches, do they start looking around uh, on their own quietly, to, you know, try to secure another gig possibly if they know something may happen? Uh, all right, uh, fight on, guys. On to next season. Well, thank you. Uh, first of all, yeah, you're always thinking about things like that. I did as a head coach looking at assistant coaches. You know, I knew who I wanted to hire if I lost somebody because that guy was beating me all the time, okay? As far as in recruiting or he was such a great coach at a school that I couldn't beat. So I'd always look at those type of people first. And uh, if they weren't around, then, of course, I had to find them. Through my contacts and coaching, I had to get the names uh, and uh, get someone who was capable of, of turning the ship. Uh, doesn't have to be a local person, but it's got to be somebody that brings the principles of what a football program is like and what you expect. But I think that what's really important that you surround him with staff members, at least half the staff members, which are West Coast and local guys that have contacts in your recruiting areas, such as Southern California and all of California, and Arizona and Nevada and so on, where most of your players come from, where when you walk in the office, you already know who the coach is and he welcomes you. Or if you're going down the 605 freeway, you know where to get off the freeway and the coach welcomes you. And you walk in and you say hi to a a principal that you've known for years because you've recruited that school. And you have loyalties, but you know that you have taken care of kids they've trusted you with as far as at the university you were at. So I think all of these things are so important. Now, when you look at the current staff at USC, nothing against these gentlemen, but how many of these local coaches do you have on your staff? I mean, really, you have what Colbert, I think, is the only guy that ever played at USC. Who do you have as recruiting coordinators and all these other areas that are people that recognize Ron Yeri when he's standing on the sideline? or recognizes someone that is a Trojan great. I mean, Tessalone does, Tim, but who else does? And I think those type of things are so important when you're out on the highways and when you're recruiting that you have people from the area where you get most of your coaches from. When I put my staff together, and i got to make this quick, I know, I wanted to make sure I had a local high school coach to represent the high school coaches, which I respect. I tried to have a community college coach to show the respect to the community colleges that I respect their coaching abilities and the level of coaching and performances that they have done. And then, of course, my coordinators were guys. One was a head coach at Arizona State, and another one was a, uh, a defensive coordinator 
at the University of Utah, where these guys have done it on that level. And I've seen their performance and philosophy of what their offense and defense is. And then it's our offense and our defense, not their offense and defense. But it is really theirs because I have the confidence to say, now do it. And everything goes through me, but do it. And the game plan has run through me, so I understand the philosophy of what we're trying to attempt to do against our opponents. So I'm sorry I went so long on that question. That's okay. We got a couple more, and then we'll let you go. Brian in Bakersfield. Any fan or person around the program who's been watching the last three years should see the staff is in over their head. Yes, they've won 10-plus games the first two years, but that was all talent slash Darnold and last-minute wins. So, that yes, they need to go. But – Who's in charge of our strength and conditioning program? We lack size, uh, strength, and kids leave looking the exact same as they did uh, in these high sc- these high prize recruits with limitless potential. Um, outside one or two guys, our offensive and defensive lines look soft and weak. We will never be a physical, tough, or top five team with this body type and mentality. That's Brian and Bakersfield. Well, uh, so Ivan Lewis is the head strength coach. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't know him personally, okay? I know I heard the name, and I know that. Uh, I've never been in the weight room. I said this earlier. I don't know what they're doing in there, but, you know, to be strong and powerful is what you need to do as an offensive lineman. And uh, I think that's what's the important thing, and along with endurance, strength and endurance, as far as an offensive lineman is concerned. On the defensive side, quickness and speed and strength. As far as the defensive uh, lineman, you want to be able to be physical. Your inside guys and your outside guys have got to be really mobile, be able to contain, come off the contain, come back inside, do the necessary things you have to do. I don't see the speed ever on the outside for the linebackers for USC coming up the field and forcing everything back to the inside, never. Uh, I've seen a couple do it, but not the way if you watch other teams do it. I mean, the jump off the ball is, is unbelievable. You've got to be able to have that great quickness to be uh, across the tackle's face where he can't get out of his stance to block you in a pass rush. And they got a double-team year do chip blocking, which means the back's got to chip you to give you a chance or the tackle a chance to get to you. You know, So uh, those are the type of things you look for. Speed at the edges, power in the inside, linebackers that can run. You look at uh, you know exactly what you know Washington State does with less talent than USC. They create an offense and a defense that fits their personnel. And uh, that's what they do. Big defensive backs become linebackers. Big linebackers become defensive linemen. And uh, that's the way they have to go about it because they don't get the four and five stars. But they do something that fits their schedule and their philosophy, and they do it very well. All right. We got one last voicemail for you, and then there's one more text. So we're almost done. Uh, this is about the defensive coordinator spot, Clancy Pendergast. Here you go. Yeah, this is Ray in Pasadena. The comment or question, if you will, is uh, directed to Coach Hyde. Uh, Coach Hyde, they ran uh, Lane Kiffin bad out of town because uh, they claimed he couldn't do anything with defense and didn't know anything about it. And um, now we got this character over here, uh, Pendergast, and uh, we seem to go up and down. Sometimes we uh, do a fairly decent job, and other times it's, you know, ridiculous. We're in the 30s and 40s as far as them scoring points on us. Uh, I'm questioning the, and I, I go back to what you said about the ability to stop a couple of things that occur on offense. Uh, you can stop if the guy is just a straight drop back passer and, and they have a running attack, but when they have all three, 
that becomes a problem. In this particular case uh, with uh, Arizona State, I don't know whether the kid was a runner or not. I don't know whether they really had a fantastic running attack. But uh, to score 38 points uh, and give up 38 points, I don't quite understand it. And I understand, and again, um, I guess maybe I'm a little off base by saying uh, Mr. Pendergrast is uh, – you know, supposedly have been a guru as far as defense goes, but uh, I don't see it. I do. Uh, I had to cut that one off. It went a little long there, so uh, I cut that one off for you, Coach. All right. Uh, uh, let me tell you, uh, you got to take what the team does best away, so you force them to do what you think they're going to do, and you got to take away their inside run. Hey, Wilkins uh, had his best game of the year, okay? Uh, let's give him credit, the quarterback from Arizona State. I mean, I've talked uh, with the Arizona State coaches, and uh, if he had the type of game they wanted to have Manny, they felt they could beat the Trojans, okay? And he did. Let's face it, he did. He ran, he played a good game, he got it done, and uh, they utilized Harry. Uh, Harry runs a 92-yard punt return uh, back when they had the picket set, you know, they, and Harry t- catches a touchdown. He does... All the thing with their players, they had a great game plan. They knew exactly what they had to do. They evaluated the defense and the offense of uh, USC, and it just stayed exactly what they've done all of the past. Nothing changes. Uh, so uh, they out-prepared them, I would say. Uh, they wanted it more. They played harder the entire game. But USC can show you their brilliance when they get ready and they get rolling. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, as far as the end of the first half, that was a beautiful drive, and the first two drives in the second half was perfect. You gave your chance for your defense to rest, too. Man, uh, I tell you, they're on the field the entire time, the time of possession and everything else. But, you know, you have to run a college defense against the college offenses, and you've got to be able to do what it takes to win on the college level. Clancy's had a lot of success and sure as hell knows a lot more defense than I do. That's why he's there. And uh, he obviously has a plan on how to stop that stuff. Now, I don't know if they're not executing or they're breaking down, but there's a reason for it. You can't just say uh, they're never the quarterback's never going to run the ball. If the, With that offense, he is going to run the ball. So you better have somebody assigned to that position to be able to stop him. Sometimes they come around there, there's nobody there. So, you know, that's what we question. And uh, Benjamin inside, I mean, yes, he did spin a lot. Yes, he's a hard target. target. Yes, he's small. It's hard to find him. But the tackling is terrible, the way they try to knock him down. Guys are getting extra yards all the time. We talked about it last week against Utah. So, uh, you know, I don't know if the kids uh, bust the assignment. Or if they're not coach right enough. That's not me. I don't know. I don't sit in the game plans. I don't know exactly what's going on. It's just what I see like you see it. We had one last text message. I'll just read it for you. I don't want to comment too much. But it's, uh, hey, Ryan and Kerr, this is Rick from L.A. Not to be confused with the other Rick from L.A. that quit on the team. I don't blame him, by the way. Clay's a really nice guy. Let's extend his contract another three years. LOL. Okay, all jokes aside. Obviously, Clay's been getting out coached uh, the fourth time this season. Question for the coach. I don't think Clay will get fired at the end of the season. He'll probably be given another season anyways during the offseason. Uh, is it illegal for coaches to call up guys like Nick Saban, Davos Sweeney, 
Urban Meyer, or even Pete Carroll or Bill Belichick from the Patriots and ask them uh, for a coaching clinic and finally learn how the big time coaches do it. I'm tired of seeing this talented roster get out coached every single year. Three years ago, I called Clay Helton the joke of a coach after losing to Stanford and saying that they wanted to be like Stanford. You say that he's a nice guy. Okay, cool. But I don't think the Trojans need a nice guy. Thanks for all you guys do. Rick from L.A., fight the F on. I'm also a band alumni, 2002 to 2012. Whoa, 10 years in the band. That's crazy. That's that's Rick in L.A. Well, you know, uh, tell me in three words what he wants to know. I think he wanted to know, like, so the real, I guess, and all the insults in there, the real question was, can you do, uh, like, coaching clinics with other coaches? That Would that be uh, an NCAA violation uh, to do that? No, like, no. But I don't think Nick Saban's all the time. But Nick Saban's not going to teach Clay Helton anything when they play each other in 2020. So, no. But I tell you, they speak together at clinics. They know each other. They talk about different things. My offensive coordinators used to share it with coaches when they came in. Uh, we used to go to schools where that ran certain offenses and want to know what their reads were, how they taught it. Uh, you know, they they invite them to even to these camps they have at their. Uh, campus, all the other schools are there that Nike does and these other uh, sp- uh, sponsors do. I mean, there isn't a lot of secrets in football. I mean, you can hire coaches off their staff if you really want to find out what they're doing. That's what Tennessee has done. That's what Georgia has done. So if you want to find out what he's doing, you go and you hire a coach off his staff and he'll tell you everything they do. And everything they do offensively and defensively. And I think that's what I'm talking about. Have yourself a staff that can tell you what they are doing that works and why it works and what the recruiting methods are and everything else and off season and staff meetings and the whole package. So you've got to be able to have the, the, the money to do that. But I think why not go after a guy? Uh, there's uh, guys out there that are available and good at what they do and they're great recruiters and they're also great coaches. And I, I don't believe in hiring somebody that can't recruit. Okay. Uh, we're going to, you know, he, he's just going to coach. Hey, no, I need him to be both good at both. He's got a coach and he's got to recruit because he's got to get out there and know the families of these kids. And the kids got to know he knows their mom and dad. He's in a car like everybody else is. He's doing his, his thing. And there's too many individuals that aren't doing that and allowed to be that way. And I don't think that's correct. All right, coach. Great stuff. We just about an hour. Um, I know we tried to wanted to try to like keep it under that, but there were so many good questions, seven voicemails. Like that's insane. Uh, for you specifically, and then all the emails, all the texts. But we got through it all, so I appreciate you uh, you doing all that. A lot, a lot of upset USC fans out there, Coach. Yeah, there are. And, you know, whenever you don't win, uh, you're upset. Uh, but, again, remember the coaches are upset too. Let's give them a break. And uh, the players, uh, I feel bad for them. But, again, there's a lot of things that need to be cleaned up, including the music before the game. The spring ball philosophy and all the other different things that happen in a football program, they're not just losing because they're just losing. Uh, as someone said, uh, the injury portion, there's a reason. All the other things, there's a reason. You've got to look at everything to make sure that you clean up these reasons and you don't talk about doing them, but you know how to do them. That's the gist of it. All right. That's Coach Harvey Hyde. 
Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. You can follow me at Inside Troy. Hope you like this edition of the Peristyle Podcast. We're going to have, if you're listening to this on Sunday before uh, we have Tunnel Vision Sunday night, but you can go on uscfootball.com, watch the replay, or watch it live on Facebook, YouTube, and uh, Periscope. And we'll, we'll have uh, Dan Weber on the show on Tuesday. We'll do a preview on Wednesday for the Oregon State game. So lots more podcasts and stuff coming up. Keep sending those questions in. Thanks so much. And we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.